Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, that being agriculture. On today's show, we get up with Dr. Joe French. Up until a few months ago, he was the director of the North Carolina Extension Research Station in the Upper Piedmont. Now, he's the assistant director of agriculture for North Carolina. Jeff and I thought we needed to spend some time with him. And that time begins in, oh, say about five minutes. I mentioned Jeff. That's Jeff Turner of Murphy Family Ventures, member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture, and co-host of a very prestigious radio podcast show on farming. Was that a little self-serving? Should we not all pat ourselves on the back every now and then? After all, who knows better the things that we do than ourselves? And yet we're far more likely to haul ourselves over the coals for not meeting our own expectations. Farmers' mental health issues are a real thing. And if you spend more time beating yourself up instead of building yourself up, even if you make a mental point to do just that, get help. It's important. Not just for you, but we're losing too many farmers. 99% of Americans depend on you, the 1%, to grow or raise what we consume. So after repeatedly getting up after you fall, it's okay to ask for a hand if you need it. You can call 800-FARM-AID. 800 Farm Aid. If that sounds like some sort of Willie Nelson concert, it is. That's where some of the money goes to train and staff a helpline. Enough said. I hope. On an uplifting note, it's almost state fair time in North Carolina. Eleven farm families will be recognized as Farm Family of the Day at the state fair this year. If you're proud to be a North Carolina farmer, you could be one of the lucky ones selected. You get a prize pack that includes tickets to the day of the fair, whatever day you choose, and a prize package of gift goodies from Tractor Supply Company. Find out more, you can head to ncagr.gov. Thanks to the farm businesses that sponsor Ag and NC, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. We'll get up with my co-host Jeff Turner in just a moment on Ag in North Carolina. This is Agriculture in North Carolina, thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations, lending solutions for farms, land, and homes, personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. I'm Dan Miller, and we hook up to our Duplin County studios with my co-host Jeff Turner, how goes it, Mr. Turner? Hey, Dan. I'm well. I'm well. I hope you are. I am. Have you filled up the tank of your truck recently, sir? You know, I just buy a few dollars at a time <laughs> at this point. I can't afford to fill up. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Don't I, tell you know, me that. November Don't... of 2020, gas was under $2. <laughs> We've gone up 50 cents on gas in the last 30 days. We've gone up 40 cents on diesel in the last same period of time, last uh, 30 days. I, I think we're like 15 cents over like... Not last year, but 15 cents over two years ago. So That's right. And, you know, we could we could release some more oil from the Strategic Reserve, but they already did that. <laughs> and now we have none, and they need to fill it up. And we're back to not all-time highs, but the high of the last few, few months. So uh, they decided that, well, we're not going to do that right now to save the taxpayer. At least the crowd understands who's paying for that oil that they gave away, mm. that cheap oil that was in the reserve. Yeah, Saudi Arabia continues to cut back in their voluntary cutbacks, so it doesn't look like we're going to see any price relief real soon anyway. It's going to cost you more to get the crop out of the field than it did to put in. Absolutely. It's a shame. 
chatting with uh, Dr. Rachel Van, our soybean queen for North Carolina. She says the soybeans in North Carolina look generally very good. Double crop beans got off to a rough start due to dry weather. And uh, it nationwide, actually, 83% of the crop is blooming. I see that in the fields when I look. <laughs> say, I think the beans look pretty good. This this dry weather that we had and, and hot weather. Yeah. By the way, it is summer. It's supposed to be hot. Uh, but they it did get hurt a bit, and hopefully that we, we haven't had much damage, especially to uh, those late planted beans. And, man, look at that corn. Now, this is just before a week ago, so it's just before some of the hot spell that we've had without rain. We got a little bit of rain on Friday. You get rain on Friday? We did get rain on Friday. Friday morning we had rain, and it was hitting this all day long. Ron Henniger, the cropping system specialist and our corn guy for uh, the eastern part of the state, says, actually, we're in a position that uh, we could have one of the best corn crops we've had in North Carolina. Many places got the timely rainfall they needed. We talked about this. We also talked about dry areas, and he specifically notes spots in Bertie, Northampton, and Halifax mm-hmm. counties. The corn has suffered in those areas. But other than that, in our area, in the Pitt County area, it looks great. How about down your neck of the woods? I think we're going to have a good a good corn crop on the lighter soils, what I would call traditional tobacco soils. It got a little hot on it. Uh, stalks are short, but I see some ears, thank goodness. So hopefully there's more than a cob inside those shucks. We've had a lot of changes in staff at the North Carolina Department of Agriculture, one of which was uh, a staff member I didn't think that would turn over, Dr. Sandy Stewart, who is uh, left to become, uh, was he chancellor of one of the community colleges? Sandhills Community yep. College. There you go. Yep. Sandhills Community College, and Sandy Stewart's going to be in charge. With his departure, the commissioner's looking at a lot of job vacancies in the Department of Agriculture, but he tapped Dr. Joe French. He's our interview today. Joe's been uh, with the research station for 30 years. If you go back in time, the Penn family gave land to the Department of Agriculture and NC State as not only a research farm, but in addition to that, there's a 4-H camp there. I think he's been at that particular station for most of his career with the department. Got a a great background in cattle and pigs, and uh, I think they've got row crops on that research station. They've got grapes on that research station. They've got um, some of the original Angus herd that the Penn family is some of the same genetics as I understand it, and uh, maybe we can get into a little bit of that, but they've maintained those genetics there for years. Dr. Joe French, coming up in just a moment on Agriculture in North Carolina. But first, a note about Bill Carone Cars in Wallace, the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to be an AgPAC dealer. Which means what? It means that any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you might already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Find out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. This is Ag and NC. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. We reach out to the North Carolina Extension Agricultural Research Station in the Upper Piedmont to find Dr. Joe French. I hope we found him. <laughs> you there? Uh, yeah, this is Joe. Jeff Turner, how you doing? I am well. Hope you are. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Now that we're all greeted and rolling, I think it'd be a great way to introduce yourself. Okay. If you could kind of tell us your background, where you're from, sort of tell us your story and and how you ended up at NCDA. I'd be glad to to give you the the dog and pony show here. And so when I first started 
really getting interested in agriculture it's um my father inherited a farm in Rockingham County. Well, it would have been his grandfather's was my great grandfather had a tobacco farm here and uh we as far as we can tell it was established in the in the early nineteen twenties and that farm is still in our family now for a hundred years, if you will. What we did was go back and, and rebuild the farmhouse when I was in my early teens. So we started living on the farm then. I started accumulating every type of agricultural animal my parents would let me grab. <laughs> That's how it took root for me. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to uh, become a temporary worker at the Upper Piedmont Research Station at the age of 15. So from the age of 15 through my first four years of college at NC State, I was a temporary worker at the research station. Uh, after I graduated, I went to NC State, got a degree in animal science. I was actually breeding pigs at NC State for Dr. Brian Johnson when I was uh, an undergraduate at State. And one of his past graduate students was a professor at Texas A&M University. So uh went out, interviewed with him. He accepted me as a master's student, so I moved on out after I graduated in 1986, moved on to uh, to Texas and uh, stayed there for five years under Dr. Welsh and got a master's and a Ph.D. while I was there. What's a, a Ph.D. in reproductive physiology exactly? Yes. A lot of my work actually ended up being in growth physiology, and that was beef steers. And um, after the Ph.D. there at, at A&M, I moved on back to North Carolina to the College of Medicine at Chapel Hill, believe it or not, and did a postdoc there working further with some growth and using rats as models. And to make a long story short, realized that the rat life was not fulfilling my agricultural needs and uh, realized that the superintendent that was at the Upper Piedmont Research Station was ready to retire and applied myself and was able to be selected for the superintendent position and found that to be my home. And while I was doing that, we also renovated our old tobacco farm, turned it into a beef cattle operation and some, uh, some poultry production planning to work at least 30 years at the research station, made it to 29 and a half years. The commissioner had moved into an office space that we had uh, here at Upper Piedmont, and that's where I am today. He had moved into an office here before COVID uh, just to give him a remote office to be able to use in conjunction with his office in Raleigh. So I got to know the commissioner and Zane very well, now the commissioner likes to joke about it. He says, for three years, I was on a job interview, and I didn't know it. <laughs> so rather than retiring, I, I really thought I had, you know, I had worked long enough at the research station. But uh, after the commissioner challenged me to another position, I have enjoyed every minute of it so far. In this new position, obviously, you're, you kind of follow Sandy, Dr. Stewart, in that position, and Sandy had a lot of different talents that he brought along to the table, but I'm told that you can explain to our listeners how to choose the best steak 
<laughs> in the showcase when you go to the grocery store for the best flavor. <laughs> Absolutely. My true passion is really good quality beef. So <laughs> that, there's no doubt. I actually, um, while I was at the research station, I was teaching. The local community college, Rockingham Community College, started a uh, an agricultural program, which I was uh, an advisor for the whole thing before it started, and conned me into teaching the animal science class. I guaranteed those animal science students from day one was, I said, if you don't learn anything else in this class, you're going to learn how to go to the grocery store and pick out the best steak that's at the grocery store and be glad to share that with you. At any well, I'd love to time. hear that. T- tell me what I should look for whenever I walk in. It sounds like you're angling for a barbecue at Joe's house. Well, that's I was hoping he would invite us. I'm just... <laughs> it's kind of funny because after we hang up today, what I'll, I'll just preface it by this. One of the things we've done with our little beef cattle farm, we've not used bulls at home in since I've been back, so 30 years. Every animal that I have for the last 30 years has been artificially inseminated. And what has been a result of that is we have a very specific set of genetics in Angus cattle that uh, we've created that I think is a very efficient model for beef cattle to produce a very high-quality steak. And... In the past, we have always taken pride that people are buying our genetics and have bought our genetics over time to use that genetics to help enhance their herds, and we've never really eaten our own beef. Well, this last year, we had three heifers that they decided they didn't want to be a part of the program anymore. So one of those heifers, I worked with a friend of mine, put it on a feedlot and kept it on a feedlot for about 45, 60 days. And I'm going to pick that heifer up today when we finish this phone call. And I am extremely excited about seeing if my theory and my genetics are actually paying off because I think what we have created is a set of genetics that are going to marble extremely well on a consistent basis without a lot of feedlot finish. We used to keep a bull around just to pick off the ones that that, that seemed cost prohibitive to catch every time. But uh, you haven't had a problem with that? The year before last, when I tell people this sometimes, they they don't believe me, but it is true. We had 85% first service conception rate, which is unbelievable. And over time, that that levels itself back out. Well, this past year, we had more of like a 75% first service conception rate. So with that, we did miss a few this last time. Had we had a clean-up bull, we wouldn't have missed as many as we did this this last year. For one, with uh, the size herd cattle we have, it is not affordable to buy a bull. And if I bought a bull, I wouldn't be able to put the money in the bull that I would want to be able to keep the offspring from. So what it does is allows us just to say, okay, we're going to put an extreme amount of selection pressure on the animals that work. And so that's what we've done at home because of the way we have our system set up at our specific farm for breeding season. My wife and I live on one end of the farm. My brother and his wife live on the other end of the farm, and my mother still lives in the in the house that was built by my great-grandfather. So essentially what we've done is created a system to where we're all there together 
and during breeding season, we use strip grazing technology, and we have the cattle set up in strip grazing fields that are visible 24 hours a day, seven days a week if you want to shine lights on them. And so using the strip grazing, it concentrates the cattle to where they're very easy to see. And everybody on the farm knows during breeding season, if you see an animal that is acting funny, that's all it has to do, just acting funny, let Joe know. So that's the way we've been able to manage without a bull for 30 years. That and the four heifers who didn't participate are at the feedlot. And God bless them from future on, because if my genetics is right and these steaks are going to be as good as they are, we might accidentally not see a heifer every once in a while, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> so, so we're, we're going to try that out. Dan and I, I can't I, wait. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah and, I com- <laughs> and I completely digress there, didn't I? Get off topic? That, that never happens on this program. But this is a good spot to pause. We'll be back in just a moment with more on agriculture in North Carolina with Dr. Joe French. This is Ag and NC on 96.3 and 103.7 FM. Thanks in part to Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. We're chatting with the newly minted Assistant Commissioner of Agriculture, Dr. Joe French. Jeff's question before the break, and actually back a ways, was how to look for the best cut of beef in the butcher case. You guys already know, but at the grocery store, so I'm going to just say food line. Very first thing you need, if you're going in there to buy a quality steak, and we're just going to use ribeye as an example, you look at the case and you see if you could find a USDA grade prime. That's going to be the better quality steak. If you're going to find a USDA choice, that's going to be your next best. If it's not graded and there's no grade put on it, then you can pretty well assure that that's going to be a USDA select. So the first line of defense is go in there, see what they're telling you. The very next thing to do is look at that steak. And what I tell people is don't look at the at the fat between the muscles. you got to look at the flex of fat within the muscle. And the smaller and the more cumulus those flex of fat are, the more tender, the more juicy, the more flavorful the beef is going to be. And I'll probably get in trouble by saying this, but I've seen enough steaks that were, quote, graded choice that when I looked at them, I thought, how in the world could that be graded choice or not select? That may not be exactly the same cut that was taken to make the determination for the grade when that steak was processed. But there's nothing big about that. There's no uh, great secret to that, but that is... uh, Comparing what you can, what you have at the counter is exactly that's the way you need to lay those ones out, look at them, and and uh, just have that have that mindset as you're looking at stakes. In your in your role as assistant commissioner of agriculture, there's uh, seven different divisions you oversee: agronomic sciences, food distribution, marketing, plant industry, research stations, small farms, and soil and water conservation, and How do you get your arms around that many departments? So one of the things that I have done, and I'm going to do it, it's just going to take time, is to visit each entity of every department that I work with. And a good example is yesterday 
I was able to couple a, a meeting that was going on in Charlotte, and I went to our, and this is the first time, I'll admit it, you know, this is the first time I've ever been to the Charlotte Farmer's Market. Without going and seeing exactly where things are, how they're laid out, that are within my realm of the Department of Agriculture, I really don't have a full understanding of what they're doing, number one, and number two, of what they could do. And the Charlotte Farmer's Market is a... As I was driving back home yesterday, I thought to myself, the Charlotte Farmer's Market is a missionary field for agriculture. Because I don't know if you guys have ever been to it or not. And if you haven't, or you haven't in recent years, there are thousands and thousands of people that are not just within the community of that farmer's market. They're actually building these houses right next door. They say in marketing, one of the first things you do is market at home, and that would be to staff in the department. But certainly, you've got hundreds of thousands, millions of people who go in and out of the farmer's markets because all over the state. Absolutely. With the population of Charlotte, that is a gemstone that we have sitting there that has so much opportunity that it's unbelievable. Well, our conversation with Dr. Joe French, the Assistant Commissioner of Agriculture in North Carolina, actually contains more, and we'll make it a two-part series, so catch the rest if you tune in next week. Compilation of the weekly commodity numbers I use to close the show, not available this week. There are a number of vacant positions at the North Carolina Department of Agriculture, and when my normal person is out, nobody compiles the numbers to the next week. In Cahalia, hope you have a great week of vacation. Look forward to chatting with you next week. That's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. Listen to the program on 96.3 or 103.7 FM, Monday mornings at 6.30 or Monday evenings at 6 p.m. And you can subscribe to the longer podcast free on Apple or Spotify. Details on that and links to our sponsors on our website, agandnc.com. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. For Jeff Turner, myself, Dan Miller, make it a great week.